Please be seated. you turn to Galatians chapter 4. And uh, just wanting, want to read here um, two verses and make one comment. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. We're in Galatians chapter 4, verse 25. Corresponds to the present Jer Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. That is, the present Jerusalem is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Now, this is somewhat of a difficult passage, and I'm not going to try to deal with that, that section. I just want you to notice one thing, and that is that there are two Jerusalems spoken of. The present Jerusalem, which is in slavery, and the Jerusalem above, which is free. Okay? Two Jerusalems. The title of the message, Terry is toward the two Jerusalems. Toward the two Jerusalems. And the title, you'll see, has to do with a book by Amy Carmichael. Uh, you remember, if you uh, have heard of Amy Carmichael, you probably know that she was a missionary to India. Uh, she died in 1951, not, not that long ago, 1951. She wrote a number of books and many poems. And there's a little book of poetry that is one of my favorites, which is called Toward Jerusalem. Toward Jerusalem. Uh, I want to share some thoughts from some of her poems tonight and also, of course, from the scriptures, kind of weave the two together, hopefully. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help now as we look into your word and even consider some of these uh, thoughts from Amy Carmichael. I pray that this would be a blessing to each person here and helpful to all of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few days ago, <clears throat> I was reading in Luke chapter 9. You can be turning there if you want. I was reading in Luke chapter 9 and noticed that phrase, toward Jerusalem. And I wondered, as I read it, if that's uh, where she got the title for the book. So let's look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. 
Luke 9:51. And it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. And they did not receive him, that is, the Samaritans did not receive him, because he was journeying with his face toward Jerusalem. So, obviously, I thought, toward Jerusalem. Well, maybe that's where she got the title for the book. Christ steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem, though he knew what awaited him there. Of course, that was crucifixion. He already told his disciples that this was what was going to happen to him, and he knew as he went to Jerusalem that that was going to be the case. So he steadfastly set his face to go toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city especially honored by God, but it had turned from him over and over again. In fact, you remember Jesus said this. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Not only was that the case Uh, what awaited him there in Jerusalem, but as he was journeying toward Jerusalem, because he was journeying toward Jerusalem, the Samaritan people rejected him. So you have a situation where he was rejected because he was on his way to the city that would also reject him. No wonder he's called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So in this setting here, Jerusalem signifies difficulties, dangers, prejudice, ostracism, suffering, and death. A city that was set apart by God, but now set against God. Unwilling, Jesus said, you were unwilling, unwilling to believe God. Now, in Amy Carmichael's book, which is called Toward Jerusalem, there's one poem in there entitled Toward Jerusalem. And in that particular poem, she alludes to this aspect of Jerusalem that we've uh, been looking at here in this section in Luke chapter 9. And I want to read this this poem to you. Uh, Let me just say that it's a poem about not allowing our care for loved ones to hinder what God may call them to. Not allowing our care for our loved ones to hinder what God may call them to. And as I say, the title of this particular poem is called Toward Jerusalem. O Father, help lest our poor love refuse for our beloved the life that they would choose. And in our fear of loss for them or pain, forget eternal gain. Show us the gain, the golden harvest there, for corn of wheat that they have buried here. 
lest human love defraud them and betray. Teach us, O God, to pray. Teach us to pray, remembering Calvary, for as the master must the servant be. We see their face set toward Jerusalem. Let us not hinder them. Teach us to pray. O thou who didst not spare thine own beloved, lead us on in prayer. Purge from the earthly. Give us love divine. Father like thine, like thine. So, a poem... Uh, you might um, just as an example of a, a situation where that poem would fit in a particular way would be like a Christian family who uh, there's a child a child who desires to go out into a dangerous mission field difficult mission field well there'd be that tendency of the parents to try to dissuade them maybe well, uh, you might say, well, how did that fit with Amy Carmichael since she was never married? She had no biological children, but she had many spiritual children. Uh, especially amongst the orphans she rescued from forced prostitution in him- Hindu temples. She lived there for 55 years in India, never came home once. Once she was there, she was there for 55 years. So she saw many of these children grow up, put their trust in Christ, and then set their faces toward Jerusalem. And I'm sure she felt a parent's natural reluctance to see a loved one face reproach rejection, or even death, which was a reality there in India. But she knew that to live for God involved journeying toward Jerusalem, setting your face toward Jerusalem. Now, a poem like that doesn't fit very well into present-day American Christianity. We seem to try to avoid any reference to suffering hardship. But Amy Carmichael was very realistic about her views of the Christian life and what it involved. And she knew firsthand what suffering and hardship were all about. She wrote another book called Things As They Are mission work in southern India, and it shocked many people in America and England, various places like that at the time, because they couldn't believe things were that terrible. But she wrote about things as they are. Um, On one occasion when she received a letter from a young lady considering life as a missionary, Uh, in the letter she asked Amy Carmichael what is missionary life like and Amy wrote back missionary life is simply a chance to die 
So she knew firsthand from her own life what it was like to journey with your face set toward Jerusalem. But let me come back to the little book here. Uh, that's not... Uh, this, this reality of suffering is not the only reason she chose the title toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem also represents the joy set before us. Fellowship with God. That's what Jerusalem represented often in the scriptures. Jerusalem is the holy city, the city of God where he dwells amongst his people in a special way. So on page one, before she, she uh, writes or puts down any of the poems that are in the book, she quotes two verses, Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, and Daniel 8, 27. Here's what they say, Daniel 6, 10. His windows were open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. And then the other verse is, uh, I, Daniel, rose up and did the king's business. But especially, let's, let's just turn to da Daniel chapter 6. Ezekiel, Daniel. You might remember the account here. Some of the people of prominence in Babylon were jealous of Daniel's authority, the authority had been given by the king. Of course, he was a Jew. Daniel was a Jew that had been taken captive uh, to, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And uh, God's hand was upon him in that situation, and he had risen to a position of authority uh, there amongst the Babylonian kings, a number of them that he worked under. Now, this present king, Darius was uh, going to promote him to the top place in the land, and some of the others uh, were jealous of that situation and tricked the king into signing a document that would be used against Daniel to get him killed. Uh, let's see, why don't we pick up the account in uh, verse 7, Daniel 6, 7. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, had consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. Now, when David knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, 
in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. And the account goes on. They caught him doing that. They knew that's the one thing they could always get him on was uh, obeying God. And so they caught him, and he was thrown into the lion's den. You know the story there. God shut the mouths of those lions there in the den all night, and Daniel was uh, rescued out of that situation, and these, these that got him into trouble were thrown to the lions. Now, but the, the main thing for us here, of course, is verse 10, where it talks about his windows opened toward Jerusalem. That's our theme here this evening, toward Jerusalem. Here was Daniel in this ungodly city praying toward Jerusalem, the city of God. Now, it's very likely that he was doing this in accordance with what Solomon had prayed over 400 years earlier at the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. So let's turn back to 1 Kings chapter 8. We're kind of uh, jumping into the middle of this prayer that uh, um, Solomon prayed, a prayer of dedication at the time of the uh, dedication of the temple there in Jerusalem. But I just want you to see that this may have been on Daniel's mind uh, when he was praying there in Babylon. It says this, 1 Kings 8, 46. When they sin against thee, talking about the people here, when they sin against thee, for there is no man who does not sin, and thou art angry with them and dost deliver them into an enemy, uh, them to an enemy, so that they take them away captive to a land of the enemy, far off or near. If they take thought in that land where they have been taken captive and repent and make supplication to thee in the land of those who have taken them captive, saying, We have sinned and have committed iniquity, we have acted wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who have taken them captive and pray to thee toward their land, which thou hast given to their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. It goes on here, but the point is, Solomon's talking about praying toward the land and the city and the temple, you see. Um, and this is, this is what Daniel was doing. His windows were open toward Jerusalem, and he continued. He had been doing this before this injunction was signed, and he kept doing it after it was signed, uh, going to his windows, which were open toward Jerusalem, and praying to God three times a day. Daniel prayed toward Jerusalem 
as the place which God had chosen to especially manifest his presence and dwell among his people. So here, Jerusalem did not represent suffering, but salvation. Our first account there in in Luke represented suffering. This represents salvation. Not rejection of God, but reception of God. The place where his truth and beauty and holiness was manifested. His dwelling place where the joy of his presence was experienced. David was, or Daniel was praying toward Jerusalem. Now, the point I want to make in all this is that, is that our Christian lives involve these two Jerusalems. One which we must set our face toward despite hardship or loss, the other which we must continually open our windows toward because we long for the joy of his presence, the two Jerusalems. And what I want to do here, just briefly then, is to contrast these two Jerusalems. First of all, one is an earthly Jerusalem in bondage to sin. The other is the Jerusalem above, which is free. We already read those verses in Galatians. I believe that I could give you verses for each one of these things that I mentioned. Uh, Oh, maybe I just mentioned the verses. Uh, One is an earthly city which will not last. The other is a heavenly city which will last forever. Hebrews 13, 14, Hebrews 12, 22. One is an unholy city built by men. The other is a holy city whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 10, Revelation 11, 8, and Revelation 21, 2. One is a city of dying men. The other is a city of the living God. Hebrews 12, 22. One is a sinful city. The other is a sinless city, Revelation 21, 27. One was built up on the earth. The other comes down from heaven, Revelation 21, 2. One is growing old and ready to disappear. The other is new, a new Jerusalem, Hebrews 8, 13, Revelation 3, 12. One is the focus of carnal men. The other is the one that faithful men like Abraham look for. Hebrews 11.10 One is shakable. The other has foundations which cannot be shaken. Hebrews 11.10 and 12.27 and 28. The one Christians suffer in, the other Christians rejoice in. So the application of all this then is simply this. 
May we, by the grace of God, set our faces steadfastly toward that Jerusalem which brings hardship and suffering, and may we, by the grace of God, be continually opening our windows toward the Jerusalem that brings fullness of joy, the two Jerusalems. Let me close with just one stanza from another poem here in the book, and this one's called Foundations. This is just part of the poem. Set our foundations on the holy hills, our city found firm on the bedrock of truth, our wills settle and ground, cause us to stand to our own conscience clear, cause us to be the thing that we appear. Well, let me just, in closing, recommend this little book of poems by Amy Carmichael. God has used these poems to help me toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem.